Anthony McCarthy, though, one thing um, the father said um, in, in one of those clips was that they were afraid to discuss it with other people because they were afraid that they might be stopped from leaving the country. Now, obviously, legally, that can't happen, but maybe he just meant in terms of persuasion, you know, friends and family. So that prevented them from discussing it. And perhaps in an atmosphere like that, people can't make a considered decision when there is this element of secrecy about it. Do you come across that? Um, I mean, certainly I come across um, people's fear of that judgment and and maybe not being able to talk to their parents, not being able to talk to their to anybody about it, uh, and even fearful of talking maybe to their doctor, fearful of talking to anyone, anybody who I see in those circumstances will be fearful about even how, you know, what's he going to be thinking about me as well. Um, so of course that that can can play a part. And uh, but I'd like to come back to this idea of this is this paralysis of judgment, and um, you know, it's it's not. <sighs> Judgment in pregnancy isn't just about it doesn't isn't just in fetal uh, abnormalities. Um, one of the extraordinary things I suppose I'm privileged to listen to sometimes in, in my work is 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 the mother and uh, sometimes the father's fantasy, if you like, during pregnancy about what it is that's mm-hmm. growing inside them. So, for example, if I see somebody who has a, a miscarriage, uh, even at eight or nine weeks. My first question, or certainly a question I would always ask at one stage, of the, uh, will be, well, to what extent for you is that a pregnancy? And for what extent do you, is that a, ba- a baby? And for some, for, for one mother, it'll be, oh, that was just a pregnancy, it was a heavy period. Mm-hmm. Um, for another, it'll, oh, I had a dream of, uh, you know, that, and there was that little blonde haired boy lying on that cold marble slab that I kissed and he was frozen, and that's who she's lost. But that notion throughout a pregnancy, to what extent is it, is it, is it a baby? Is it a whole person? To what extent uh, is it an independent agency for, agent from me? You know, that little person I have to care for or do I have to care for myself? Does it feel? Does it think? Um, if I have bad thoughts, if I actually know I didn't really want him, will he know that? Or even if I'm depressed, will he or she know mm-hmm. that? So that's a notion of fantasy. So throughout pregnancy, judgments, if you like, are being made um, or fantasies and they may shift o- o- over time. So, of course, if they hear something, you know, uh, some really bad news, um, again, it's not, it's, it's the same sort of thinking that's going on. Um, and again, the separation of, of the baby from, from, from the mother herself. So uh, those mothers maybe who might, dis- one mother who might uh, want to terminate, she'd be thinking, I cannot bear this. I just cannot bear uh, to go through with this. And what another, can they not bear? What? Well, that's the point. Mm. Whereas another mother would be thinking, I can't bear that that baby is suffering. And she may have a fantasy the baby is suffocating. Now, of course, babies don't breathe in the womb, but mm. <laughs> we know that they don't breathe and that the first little cry after it is that first breath. Um, but she have a fantasy maybe she, that the baby can't breathe or the baby's in pain or the baby is dying and have something, maybe the baby knows it. And one can talk rationally and say maybe that the baby wouldn't know these things. Or, but that doesn't, that, that's irrelevant to her. It's how she sees it and thinks about it. Um, for others, they, they, what can't she bear? I could give you a hundred different answers to that. <laughs> well, you know what? We take a quick break at this point. We'll be back with more. 
Talking Point with Sarah Carey on News Talk 106 to 108. Good afternoon. We're talking about the choice that couples face when they're given a diagnosis of a fatal fetal abnormality um, in a pregnancy. In studio, Gina Menzies is a theologian and lecturer in medical ethics in the Royal College of Surgeons. Christopher Cowley is a lecturer in philosophy in UCD. And Dr. Anthony McCarthy is a consultant perinatal psychiatrist at the National Maternity Hospital in Hollis Street. And we've been referring to the programme to interviews that were done on the Pat Kenny show with two couples on Monday. You can listen back those um, on the News Talk website and I'm going to play some more of the clips on this show. Um, Christopher Cowley, one of those couples had terminated the pregnancy and the other one had carried to term. The couple who carried to term seemed to have a more peaceful outcome than those who terminated. But you wanted to make a particular point about that. Well, I, when I was yeah. listening to the yeah. two interviews, I was struck by how easily it could have gone the other way. How easily the couple who had gone to England for the termination might have experienced great relief uh, and they had they felt that they had made the right decision and then come back and they could get on with their life. Whereas the couple who had decided to keep the child to term and uh, might have felt even more distress. Uh, there might have been um, a surprise when seeing the baby come into the world, the baby itself might seem to be distressed, uh, there might be issues of deformity and uh, this, it might have been very different outcome and they might have regretted uh, going through with it. So it's it just it was very hard to draw a lesson from mm. the interviews of just two couples on this. Yeah, case. and I was conscious too when listening to them that they were like one minute little clips that couldn't, I think, hope to totally encompass each couple's experience. But there but is there is, there is a lesson you can Anthony, draw, yeah. and the lesson you can draw is yeah. you really have to understand each individual couple and advise them as best you can but they in their own way have to make up their own mind and one way or other none of us are going to be sure what was the right answer for them um, they will make up their mind. So look on that note I want to play at one of the clips now because I think it's an issue that does arise for couples who terminate maybe it's something that they didn't think about until it actually happened this is Jerry again We suddenly realised we were, we were going home alone um, and leaving him, leaving our son uh, in a foreign hospital uh, the hospital had a kindly uh, arranged cr- the cremation we, I know we'd signed consent forms and, and authorizations and things like that but it was having to leave we felt like we were now having given birth to him we were abandoning him uh, and just turning our backs and walking away um, for my part, I almost had to drag my wife away from the hospital, and we had to go home without him. And that emptiness, that uh, that just absolute hole in us. As time went by, then we 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 didn't have the funeral. We didn't have that opportunity for our friends, our work colleagues, our broader family to come around and, and support us, which had we been able to deliver him here or had we chosen to deliver him at full term here uh, we would have had we would have been able to have uh, it was something which was missing um, that we didn't have a grave to go and visit his, his cremated remains were delivered to us uh, by courier um, Gina Menzies now that's obviously well, well, partly a side effect of the fact that you can't have the termination here. 
But uh, we spoke to other couples during the week and it did seem to be an issue that they didn't foresee. No birth cert, no death cert, mm-hmm. you know, no opportunity to have that grieving process. Yeah, I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. listening to Jerry there, it seems to be cruel um, that they had to leave the country and that they didn't have the funeral, that they didn't have... Um, the support of family and friends I think that's you know an added burden and I think it's something that obviously we, we need to deal with and we need to, to be honest about there's something else that Anthony said earlier on which I think is interesting and it is and I suppose a, 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 you know as a woman um, I think you're more aware of the fact that your relationship the relationship between a woman and, and the fetus is like nothing else in the whole universe and that's why I always think people sort of speaking about it, they need to take a step back. It is nothing like it. And I think uh, Anthony talked about you know, the individual way we all approach, you know, pregnancy and birth and uh, etc. Um, and I think it is fascinating, you know, that in general so many, uh, and you know, with great respect to the men here, I would have total respect for them, you know, can talk about it. But it is, one something that Anthony said I think resonates with me now, it's a long time since I was pregnant, but is that at up to a certain stage in pregnancy, um, I think the majority of women talk about a bump maybe. And then at a certain stage, they talk about a baby. And I mean, that might be psychological, might be rational. or, But I think that is quite, quite true to experience. Um, and, you know, and I think if you have a miscarriage early on in pregnancy, and based on sort of experience and experience of other women, um, it has far less impact than if you have a miscarriage much later on in pregnancy. So I just see the whole relationship, you no, know, uh, it depends on the individual. It really depends on the individual. Yes. You'd have one mother saying, well, those two pregnancies, um, they, were, they were just pregnancies, whereas that one, mm. and it could have been at eight yes. weeks, the, ones, the others could have been 13, but the one, that one I decided I really want, that one I knew I was pregnant, I was holding on to it. Um, it's just so that's sort of generalisations you know yes. one woman it's a heavy period another woman actually mm. caught a clot while she was sitting on the toilet and she's looking at it and examining it and she said what do I do with this mm. uh, and I know we're getting away from fatal fetal no. abnormalities here but she catches it and uh, a particular woman describing to me then she wrapped it in tin foil and she put it in the fridge for a few days because it was life it was her baby but it was only seven weeks but there was something there and then she put it in a matchbox and she buried it in the garden but got up in the middle of the night because she thought a fox might get it and so you know that's it's there if you like it's 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 the fantasy that for someone else that was just a heavy period in a clock mm. for someone else that's my baby and you you just cannot generalize well you're you really absolutely can. right to make that you know you're absolutely right to make that point you can't generalize and I, I suppose all I was trying to say that the relationship between a woman and her pregnancy is very individual and it is like maybe host- nothing else absolutely maybe very hostile maybe hate it maybe hate that things inside her I mean it's just so complex so for a woman who's been raped or for a woman who never wanted to have a child or that, that, that can start off with an absolute attack on herself, uh, attack on what's there going inside her. There was a particular article I read in the Irish Independent uh, several months ago by a woman called Hilary Neelor Khan. Gemma Doherty um, had originally interviewed her and she had put forward this perspective that I hadn't come across before and, and was genuinely moved by that. When she got this diagnosis, she thought, OK, if the pregnancy is all I'm going to have, if that's it, well, then every day I'm pregnant is another day with my baby and kind of honoured the length of the pregnancy and the baby in that fashion. Um, I, I, it, it, I suppose what surprised me about it, Anthony, was that 
I'd rarely seen that perspective in the public discourse. Usually this is presented as the the legal problem Mm. rather than that attitude. What do you think of that? I mean, certainly I've heard that. I had a a family member myself who had a a baby with Anne Gefferly and she decided uh, they they didn't want to terminate and that little few breaths afterwards and having the baby with them in in Hollow Street for two or three days is actually extremely valuable. Um, whereas uh, uh, others that have a totally different one, uh, I certainly heard, heard other, other other people say, yes, that breath, that that mm. that little time, that little life was so important. I've heard someone else, but I've heard others saying, as as I think as, as you were saying, as Christopher was saying, you know, the distress of seeing that baby struggling for breath, mm. knowing it was going to die. Why, you know, why didn't I get rid of it? That's appalling. The but horror. I, of what I do it. wonder about is if you decide to continue with the pregnancy. Mm. What do you say to people? Because people, strangers and friends are so nosy about pregnancies and they mean it in the nicest possible way, but they'll ask you very pertinent, direct questions. And that must be hard going if you're I, carrying a baby yeah. to term. Gina, I, do I, I, to? I, I do. I think I think you tell people seems to be, but obviously it's an individual decision, but I think you're absolutely right. People become kind of fascinated by other people's pregnancies yeah. and is it a boy and is it a girl and all that goes yeah. on about that. So I think... It's, it's probably very difficult, but that a lot of people would uh, make a decision to let to tell people because that does curtail all the kind of inquisitiveness, which isn't which isn't done in a malign way. It's always benign because people are excited about pregnancy and about new life yeah. and new birth. It's a very normal human reaction, but I think that sometimes um, it, it's easier if if you sort of make a very clear statement and 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 therefore people don't ask those questions. You know, particularly if it's a first pregnancy. And say, you know, you know, have you got the cot or what kind of carrot baby chair are you go? You know, I mean, that's the kind of it's normal. But, but does that mean, Anthony? Then you have to keep facing it and keep reliving it if you have to keep telling people what's going on. You're going to have to keep facing it anyway, right? Uh, and again, some people will have a family or friends they can talk to. Others won't. Uh, others will be very isolated, completely on their own with it. Um, but those very same questions will come up with with even a, a miscarriage. You know, going to the supermarket and you know saying, "Oh, how many children do you have?" And I really want to count that one. Yeah. You know, yeah. oh, is this your first? Well, actually, my second. Oh, really? Was it a boy or girl? You know, how do you? How does you know? These are. It's just as you know. It's a very emotional my, time. My mother was a midwife now fifty years ago, oh. and uh, she said that in those days the common answer was, "How many children um, do you have?" You'd say, "Oh, um, eight, six live." Oh. You know, and it was accepted then that, you know, babies were lost, you know, and there was no... um, Christopher, on that idea of if the pregnancy is all you're going to have in the life of the baby, then, you know, why not maintain it for as long as possible? That brings us to this very profound issue of, well, what is a life? And that 17 minutes that you were referring to earlier, you know, what is the meaning of that baby's life? Well, the 17 minutes comes from the second couple mm-hmm. from the Pat Kinney show mm-hmm. um, who came, carried the baby to term and then had 17 minutes when the baby was alive mm-hmm. and the baby died when the father cut the cord. Um, there's a very um, risky way of trying to quantify life or to quantify the value of life, to quantify the suffering in life or to quantify value to society. All these attempts, uh, and philosophers uh, do it more than most people do, um, to try and, and, and come up with some statement of value uh, and in order to distinguish the, the good lives from the bad lives. 
it's tempting to say a 17-minute life is somehow not worth living or less worth living, but ultimately it's worth remembering that 17 minutes is still a life and this baby is going to die after birth in 17 minutes, let's say, but we're all going to die. I mean, there is there is a sense that that baby's life is is just as valuable to that baby, to the parents, to the family, and therefore questions of trying to assess the quality of that life uh, are irrelevant at that moment when the baby is born. And yes, it's going to die very soon, and that in itself is very sad, but it can still be cherished for those 17 minutes. Um, Gina, what would your view on that one be? Um, yeah, I'd completely um, agree with Christopher that you know, for, for individual uh, women and individual couples, they make the decision. And for some, the value of a minute or 17 minutes or two hours is for them the ultimate value perhaps on which they make their decision. And for others, it is a completely different uh, perspective. In a way, I think it's not unlike, um, you know, maybe the bad news of a terminal condition. And in practice, um, I can decide that I'm going to have treatment because I want to live longer, albeit the treatment might be traumatic and I I may sort of have a lot of suffering, but I may want to add more days to my life. Or I am quite at liberty to decide, well, in this instance, I don't want any more treatment. I will just uh, go now. So I think there's a sort of a similarity there in that, you know, how, how we individually value the life that we have, or in this case, the, you know, the life of, of a little infant. I think we yeah, have. We're defining to, life here as being life outside the womb. Mm-hmm. Whereas for many couples, I mean, in, in any pregnancy, there's already a life in there. She's already mm. talking to the baby, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> playing music, music for the baby, mm-hmm. talking, getting her husband and the other mm-hmm. children to talk to the baby mm-hmm. at night. So the notion that there's that that from the mother's perspective that there is only a life for those that 17 minutes. Yes, I heard in the interview and was very when I heard mm-hmm. that. But for many, no, there's a life inside, and they're already and for some who for some who might choose to terminate, it's that life inside that's suffering that I'm really upset about. Mm-hmm. How much of that is an issue that um, the termination decision isn't so much about the parents and wanting their suffering to end by wanting this crisis situation to be over with and how much is about wanting the baby's suffering to be end? To yeah, be I don't think I was saying earlier on, it, mm. it certainly can be individual and, and both sometimes or sometimes it's predominantly a, a, a sense the baby is suffering mm. or the baby's in pain or the baby can't breathe. Um, uh, whereas for others, it's just the mother herself just cannot bear this, this dying and thing. And just going her. on from Gina's reference to um, a terminal diagnosis, say, or something like cancer, there is a difference, though, in that there's a difference between choosing not to be treated for a terminal illness and deciding to to terminate a pregnancy. That that is a fundamental difference there, isn't there? Oh, there certainly. Yeah. Is. I mean, there certainly is. I think it's 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 it becomes much more of a question. Maybe when you know what's a life when at the other end, extreme end of life. Uh, and I know that these both debates are around at the moment. But with somebody maybe with dementia, where people are feeling, well, look, that's 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 hardly a person anymore. Whereas for another person, no, this really is a person. It is a life, and no matter how the, much the person's personality may be gone. Is there a person there? Is that a life worthwhile, worth living? Um, and that's the sort of, that's a more similar judgment, I think, than, than necessarily the, the one with somebody who's told they have a terminal illness. Christopher, well, I suppose what oh, I was Gina. trying to say was, yeah. was that, that, you know, our understanding of, I think Anthony's explained <laughs> much better than I, our understanding of what life and the value of it is 
comes down to a lot of individuals' um, understandings of it and on, 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 of value. I mean, I say some people would value that every day is a is a special, every minute is extra, and and that's what I want. Or other people might say, well. I don't want because if if that involves continuing suffering, that's the only kind of way I was trying yeah. to explain it, really. Um, Christopher, do you see comparisons between the arguments um, for terminating a fatal fetal abnormality pregnancy and euthanasia? Glad <sighs> Chris got that question first. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for that one. Um, it, uh, the, the fundamental difference is euthanasia is at the end of a life. So normally we're talking about euthanasia of a person who has had a life. Um, and there is a sense that they have done productive things, that they are happy with that life, that they may have produced offspring. And there is this argument about having a good innings and being ready to go. Uh, none of that applies to the, 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 the child who is 17 minutes or the child who's more than 17 mm. minutes if we go back into, into the womb um, that's all they've got I mean and there's, no, there's not much content to the life that we can talk about a, a well-rounded life uh, coming to a, a natural end um, this is a, a premature end it's, there's no other way to describe it than, than a, a life that could have been and uh, will not be um, therefore, I'm, I'm less confident about the comparison with euthanasia of uh, elderly adults, for example.